Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you each morning at about 9 a.m., with the exception of Sunday, tomorrow, where we have divine service at 9.30 a.m. All right, so, uh, and during this Congregation of Prayer, it's the, our congregation here in Sherman Center, but also um, all of you who join us over the internet, we read through the scripture, we read together, we pray together, we sing together, um, we pray the psalms together. That way, um, well, together we are built up through Christ and through his word. All right? So that's what we'll be doing today. We begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we say our memory verse one more time. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. And pray our psalm for this week, Psalm 120. In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree? Woe to me that I sojourn in Mesech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. On Saturdays, I like to uh, share when when uh, we have a complete psalm during a week, uh, meditation on that psalm from Father Patrick Henry Reardon, Christ in the Psalms, um, and I do so especially because uh, sometimes the psalm is a little bit uh, difficult to get our head around, right? So this one's pretty intense. Listen to what he has to say, Psalm. 119 Hebrew 120 is the first of 15 consecutive psalms known as the Songs of Ascent. Though the origin of the expression is not entirely certain, a very probable interpretation takes this title to mean that these particular psalms were chanted by pilgrims to Jerusalem as they drew near and began to ascend the heights on which the holy city is settled. Truly, quite a number of the lines in these psalms are readily understood in such a context. In any case, these 15 form a distinct collection within the Psalter. Right, and this is the first. Eastern Orthodox Christians will recognize them as the usual psalms at the midweek pre-sanctified liturgy during Great Lent. In the Western monastic uh, tradition, moreover, the first nine of these songs of ascent were invariably among the earliest to be learned by heart. From Tuesday through Saturday each week, these nine psalms, broken into three groups of three, were recited at the third, sixth, and ninth hours of the daily office. As these canonical hours were often prayed by the monks during 
short, quote, rest breaks while at work in the woods or fields, it was necessary that they be memorized. Thus, Psalm 119 was on most days the first psalm of the canonical hour of terse, that is, the third hour, and immediately followed by a short hymn to the Holy Spirit, Nunc Sancta Nobis Spiritus, which is most appropriately invoked at the day's third hour, see Acts 2, verse 15. We know that the church in the upper room, as she anticipated the arrival of the Holy Spirit of Promise, Ephesians 1, 13, from on high, continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, Acts 1.14. Nor is it difficult to hear this psalm arising from her mouth as she waited. To the Lord I called in my distress, and he answered me. O Lord, deliver my soul from wicked lips and from a deceitful tongue. Right? So pray that at the beginning of the day. Makes sense, right? Lies and deception lay all about the church on that morning. Already, for instance, the rumor was started that the disciples had stolen the dead body of Jesus from the grave while the soldiers slept, Matthew 28:11 through 15. And as for the body of believers already, quote, we know that it is spoken against everywhere, Acts 28:22. But soon would arrive that Holy Spirit to confront their accusers and convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, John 16, verse 8. Meanwhile, the church answers her uh, calamitors Calluminators, there we go, in prayer. What further would you have, and what more be given you, O deceitful tongue, the warrior's sharp arrows, with coals of desolation? Ah, me, that my sojourn, my peroika, is prolonged, and that I have made my home among the tents of Kedar. So much the sojourners, the perokin, peroikisen, there we go, is my soul. Peaceful, I spoke peace to those who hated me. When I addressed them, they warred against me without cause. Right? And that's from, of course, the Greek old uh, translation of the psalm. The poetic imagery of these lines is dense. The warrior's sharp arrows with coals of desolation, or burning, glowing coals of the broom tree here, um, probably means the incendiary arrows that destroy civilizations. The tents of Kedar refer to the warlike tribe in the Arabian desert and should be taken as a metaphor for surrounding hostility. Used for many centuries by pilgrims marching to Jerusalem, this is a psalm about a, quote, sojourn. Indeed, the word for sojourn in this psalm, paroika, parochia, excuse me, is the root of our English word parish, or parochial, right? You've heard that before, meaning a congregation of pilgrims. It is the church that is in exile or pilgrimage here in this world, encompassed by calumny, calumny, excuse me, and malice. He uses words that I don't use very often. All right, so parochial or parochia is the Greek for parish, which means a congregation of pilgrims. Now you know. The first epistle of Peter may serve as a kind of commentary on Psalm 119. Indeed, St. Peter actually uses the word sojourn with reference to the church. Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here, or sojourn, parochia, in fear, 1 Peter 1.17. He exhorts the, quote, pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Asia, and Bithynia, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Their situation is exactly like that of our psalm. Peter calls them sojourners, parochius, and pilgrims, 2 verse 11. He also mentions that these pilgrims of the dispersion are being tempted, grieved by various trials, constantly reproached by the 
by those outside as evildoers. But by doing good, Peter assures them that they will put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. For their model, he holds out to them the suffering of Christ. This is from 1 Peter 2, verse 23. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him. 1 Peter 4, verse 19. All right. So maybe that's a good, good thing to do when you have some time yet today, is to go read for the epistle of 1 Peter. It's not very long. Uh, and then reread the psalm and see how they go together. All right, our first reading then today is from Jeremiah 14. Then the Lord said to me, Do not pray for this people, for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and grain offering, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say to them, You shall not see the sword, nor shall you have famine. But I will give you assured peace in this place. And the Lord said to me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I have not sent them, commanded them, nor spoken to them. They prophesy to you a false vision, divination, a worthless thing, and the deceit of their heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, whom I did not send, and who say, Sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine these, those prophets shall be consumed. And the people to whom they prophesy shall be cast out in the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword, and they will have no one to bury them, them nor their wives, their sons nor their daughters, for I will pour out their wickedness on them. Therefore you shall say this word to them. Let my eyes flow with tears night and day, and let them not cease. For the virgin daughter of my people has been broken with a mighty stroke, with a very severe blow. If I go out to the field, then behold those slain with the sword. And if I enter the city, then behold those sick with, from famine. Yes, both prophet and priest go about in a land they do not know. Have you utterly rejected Judah? Has your soul loathed Zion? Why have you stricken us so that there is no healing for us? We looked for peace, but there was no good, and for the time of healing, and there was trouble. We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against you. Do not abhor us, for your name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of your glory. Remember, do not break your covenant with us. Are there any among the idols of the nations that cause rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Are you not he, O Lord, our God? Therefore we will wait for you, since you have made all these. All right, so we see that there's a special punishment for uh, the prophets who are not sent by the Lord, those who come claiming the Lord's authority, as well as, of course, those who come with the Lord's authority but use that to prophesy peace, peace, where there is no peace. Right, so this is very important for pastors to remember for me to remember in particular, um, that to fail to warn the people is to neglect the duty that I've been, that's been set before me. Right? I've had quite a few warnings over the last uh, 18 months or so, and there's more to come. Um, that's why I think it is cowardice, actually, spiritual cowardice, to not tell the people when godless, materialistic, um, atheistic ideas, ideologies are taking hold of those around you um, and seeking to undermine you and to change your mind to lead you into idolatry and unbelief. Right. 
And those can come in any guises. Those can come as a teacher. Those could come as a politician. Those could come as a celebrity. Those could come as um, a self-help guru or some kind of philosopher. It can come in any number of shapes and sizes, right? But do not neglect to tell the people uh, the error that is set before them. Um, rebuke it, right? For the sake of the truth. All right. And then our reading for catechesis today is from Mark 6, now verse 45. Right, so this is right after the feeding of the 5,000. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region, and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him. That, he, that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. All right. So what did Jesus do immediately after feeding the 5,000? He made the disciples uh, to get into the boat and go before him um, to the other side. And where did Jesus go after sending the multitude away? See there in verse 46, on to the mountain to pray. What happened when evening came? Uh, they hadn't made it to the other side, had they? Yeah, the boat was in the middle of the sea uh, while Jesus remained on land. And what did Jesus see? 48, he saw them straining at rowing because the wind was against them. Uh, it says it was about the fourth watch of the night. Um, this would actually be when Psalm 120, uh, 120 would be prayed. Right, sometime between three and six a.m. Look at that. Um, and when and how did Jesus come to them? Of course, miraculously, walking on the sea. Right, even so much that he would have passed them by. It says there. When did this happen in the Old Testament? The Lord passing by. Two examples. Uh, one is with Moses. Um, you know, show me your backside, and the Lord passed by, right? And then with Elijah, the Lord uh, passed by him in First Kings 19. We should probably look at that one. That one's less familiar probably to you. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Ah, now you recognize it. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, etc., etc. Right. What did the disciples suppose? They thought that they were seeing a, a ghost, right? But what, what did Jesus say when they cried out? 
Hey-ho, be of good cheer. It's I, do not be afraid. Uh, Of course, this should remind us of some Old Testament stories. To do not be afraid, right? Think about the crossing of the Red Sea. Only be still and do not be afraid. The Lord will do this thing today. Um, Moses going up to God for the people when they feared his voice from the mountain. Moses told them not to be afraid. All right. And then, of course, the angels through the Gospels. What's the significance of this phrase right here? It is I. You know, translators. It's really just Jesus saying, I am. Which, as you know, or hopefully you know at this point, um, this is the name that God gives to Moses to say, when Moses asks, who should I say sent me? Say, I am. Right? So Jesus here is identifying himself as the eternal God of the promise of salvation, the same God who rescued Israel through the waters of the Red Sea and led them on dry ground. And now here he is walking on the waters. Uh, What happened when Jesus got in the boat? It says there in verse 51, the wind ceased so much then the disciples were amazed beyond measure and marveled. Um, But then Mark gives this interesting note, right? For they had not understood about the lows because their heart was hardened. All right, so they still don't know who he is. He had stilled the storm, still don't know who he is. Right? Um, disbelieving for joy. You think about the end of the gospel, right? Uh, to where did they cross over in the boat then? It says here to Gennesaret, right? And what happened when the people heard Jesus had come? They carried out their sick to him and laid their sick in the marketplaces of the cities, right? Begging, begging, as you see here in verse 56, that they might just touch the hem of his garment, which recalls the story, woman with the flow of blood, right? News had spread about that woman then, apparently, back in chapter 5, how she had been healed by touching the hem of his garment. So now they're all asking for that. And what happened when they touched Jesus, as we talked about, touching the hem and touching Jesus because of baptism is materially the same. Yeah, they were healed. All right, a summary then. The disciples had not understood that Jesus was the I am who had led his people out of Egypt and fed them on the manna in the wilderness. The Lord passed by Moses and Elijah, and now the disciples see him in the flesh. See the contrast? They think that he is a ghost or a phantasm, but I am, the creator of heaven and earth, has taken on real flesh and comes to bring life to his people. He comes to them in the fourth watch as a mark of the gospel that will be preached to all creation that Jesus rose from the dead when the Sabbath was over, right? That's when the women go to the tomb. He who walks on in the body upon the waters will raise our physical bodies from the stormy sea of death. Our bodies have been marked with the water of baptism and placed in the boat of the church. I am is in the boat so that we do not need to fear. Beautiful. All right, let's confess our catechism for this week. What is confession? Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins, and second, that we receive absolution, that is, forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself, not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. What sins should we confess? 
Before God, we should plead guilty of all sins, even those we're not aware of, as we do in the Lord's Prayer. But before the pastor, we should confess only those sins which we know and feel in our hearts, which are these. Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Are you a father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, or worker? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been hot-tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Have you stolen, been negligent, wasted anything, or done any harm? We pray. O Lord, I give you thanks and praise that you have forgiven me all my sin as a free gift of your grace. You died for me because you love me, and you rose from the dead so that I might receive the gift of salvation and walk in newness of life. By your forgiveness, teach me to renounce the devil, to deny myself, and to live a holy life in the joy and confidence that my sins are forgiven. Amen. On this Saturday, we pray for faithfulness to the end, for the renewal of those who are withering in the faith or have fallen away, for pastors as they prepare to administer Christ's holy gifts, and for receptive hearts and minds on the Lord's Day. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. On this day, we pray in Thanksgiving with Nicole, who celebrates her birthday, with Linda and Dawn, who celebrate their baptism, with all the households of our church, especially this week, Michael and Michelle, Angie, Ben and Lindsay, Dwayne and Pamela, David and Deborah, and Wendy. Give thanks to God for the service of Ethan Gillespie as organist. Pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Angie, Jeremy, Kelsey, Amanda, John, and Timothy, Janice, Sandy, Ken, and Kathy. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Roy, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey. Pray for all the missions of the work, uh, missions work of the church, as well as all those who provide mercy to their neighbors, especially Safe Harbor of Sheboygan County. And we intercede for the preservation and increase of humility among us. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray, Almighty God, you chose the Virgin Mary to be the mother of your only Son. Grant that we who are redeemed by his blood may share with her in the glory of your eternal kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's sing our hymn. How about we sing, what did we sing before? One, two, three, let's sing four and five today.
mine, O Christ, has paid the ransom due. Ten thousand deaths like mine would have been all too few. To whom save thee, who canst alone for sin atone, Lord, shall I flee? Thy righteousness, O Christ, alone can cover me. No righteousness avails, save that which is of thee. To whom save thee, who canst alone for sin atone, Lord, shall I flee? I announced which verse would sing, and then I lost track of which verse we were going to sing. Verse 4. Anyway, uh, Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. We'll see you tomorrow for divine service at 9.30 a.m. Uh, and with Bible class following, we'll continue looking at um, the various warfare motifs that are in the New Testament, especially. Uh, tomorrow we'll do the trumpet call, the bugle fanfare, if you like. All right, and we'll look at that, among some others. All right, and uh, of course, God's word and sacrament and divine service. Uh, so make plans for that. Otherwise, we'll see you again on Monday for Congregation of Prayer.